You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. This is Gabby Ionello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm joined today by the amazing Fernando Luciano, the executive vice president and co-founder of Unique Visuals New York, which is a printing and graphic solutions company based in Manhattan. And I actually had the pleasure of working with Fernando in my last role, and he was like the saving grace for me because I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was doing, and he put up multiple fires, and it's it's been so great that I was able to connect with him at work and still remain friendly. And he's been super supportive in my creating the podcast and all of this. So Fernando, it's, it's, I'm so grateful that you're on this. I'm humbled to be a part of this and congratulations to you. It certainly takes a certain kind of person to, you know, walk away from stability to go into instability for, you know, future financial and business management independence. So congrats to you too. Oh, thanks. So speaking of independence, and kind of linking in your story, did mm-hmm. you, for Unique Visuals, I know you're the co-founder, how did you and your founder, your other co-founder, find each other and then even start your journey, right? Did you actually have right. a full-time job and then you went from, quote unquote, that stability to the instability? Or did you just kind of say, no, I want to jump into it and just kind of hit the ground running with the business? I mean, it took me probably nine months to, to really decide you know, what was, what did I really want? How was I really going to do it? You know, going out into the, you know, the unknown, there's no manual, right? Not like, oh, you take this class and you'll know everything what to do, or you talk to this person and you'll have all the answers. So you really have to do a lot of figuring out on your own. You know, even if you're, you know, lucky enough to have a bunch of investors, I mean, you still have to know if it's a good fit, if the ideas work, or if, you know, there's other things out there for you. So he and I, his niece was a client of mine and she and I had done business for a really long time. You know, they wanted to go from kind of the copy center aspect of the business into, you know, more the other stuff that we do, which is, you know, a little bit more large scale creative and implementation of, you know, anything from sales galleries and, you know, retail spaces to billboards and event production. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long journey before that, you know, I was in the business probably 10 years or so be, before doing my own thing. And that allowed me, I think, to, to make all the mistakes on someone else's dime, <laughs> but, uh, you know, without, without risking too much, you know, I, I don't want to say that I taught myself uh, everything, but it was, it's, you know, the business that I'm in is, is really a, a kind of a trial and error thing, unless you have somebody that really knows the ins and the outs. And when I first started, the industry was sort of still pretty new and that there was a few people that really knew how to do things and what the process was. And everybody else just kind of learned how I learned by, you know, making mistakes and just getting better and finding the right people to to help you get things done. But I would say it's probably the most meaningful experience being a, a co-founder because it's it's allowed me to look at every aspect of the business from are we charging properly so on and so forth where you're just you know before that I was just kind of selling and just had to worry about bringing the business in luckily I did always have that 
passion for knowledge. And I always wanted to learn more of the back end because I felt that it would help me sell better and develop a better relationship with my customers, which I think that it has. You know, most salespeople, their job is to sell and, you know, they have some knowledge, but I like to get into the weeds of it, the technical part of things, really kind of roll up my sleeves, so to speak, and figure out new ways or different ways to to make and create things. So, you know, for me, it's been a successful venture. I'm really fortunate and, and lucky that, that I, I have the personality that I have. You know, I could be a little tenacious and persistent. You're also like super personable, which makes it really easy to work yeah. with. Like you ever work with yeah. people who are like, they're either so rigid or just so professional that you're like, ugh, like, can you just be real for a second? <laughs> like, just tell me what what to do and how to do it. And yeah. like, how much is it going to be? And like, let's just get to it. Right. I mean, you have people on both sides of the fence, right? You have totally. those really corporate people that are very like technical and by the book and almost, you know, I don't want to say no personality, but their goal is not really to have that relationship. Their goal is just to get their job done. And usually those type of people have so much on their plate that they just don't have the time. Yeah. And then you have other people that every single step, they're just almost, you know, I speak to them almost too much. You know, we, we, we call that like kind of babysitting the job where it's like, email me when you go to print, email me when it's in finishing, email me when it's packing, email me. And, you know, from that, you kind of figure out you know, how you have to approach every person differently, right? It's a pretty diverse world and pretty diverse clientele. So everybody has a different way of, of doing business. And I think having those interpersonal skills that I've been fortunate enough to, to develop has let me kind of tailor my approach pending the client interaction. So I can be that personable person that really walks your hand through everything, or I can be hands off and then just let you know when it's done. Either way, whatever you need, you know, that's, that's how I approach it. But I think the key is having the skills to manage both sides of that fence. And that's a really tough thing to do because most salespeople are, are cheery, happy, and they want that customer satisfaction. They want that approval. And for some people, that kind of turns them off because they're like, I don't want to really talk. I just, I don't have the time or, or whatever the case is. So it's, it's more of an art form than I think most people give it credit for you know, knowing when to say, when not to say, when to push, when not to push, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's probably something you learned when you were, you know, before you actually owned the business. And that's why you're as successful mm -hmm. as you are now versus like you started the business right. and you're just constantly like fucking up. Like, like yeah, that, would, sure. <laughs> that would not be good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been doing creative since my, my first job when I was 15. Um, I, I grew up a little background. I, I grew up in Queens, uh, New York, lucky enough to have a great family, strong on culture, education, hard work, but also a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-independence, which kind of gave me the ability to say that I wanted to do something different than everybody else was doing, either, you know, a, a blue collar job or just like a, a corporate job, right? Just like behind a desk you know, a nine to five. I, I, I always felt since a young age, I wanted to do something different. And so my first job was setting up a display kind of area every day for, for the sneaker company. And they would have like, go to these like outdoor malls and these outdoor kind of flea market sort of things. And every day I went to work, I had to 
you know, unload, set up the display, figure out which sneaker goes in the front, which one goes in the back. And going through college, you know, I, I studied English and, and marketing. I, um, you know, kind of expanded on that, wanted to make sure my presentation was proper. You know, at first I was going to go to law school and I, I worked at a law firm for like a month. And, no and I way. Was, I it, I you a miserable. lawyer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, one of my traits, good or bad, uh, it is what it is, is, you know, if, if I am passionate about something, like I, like I said, I'm, I'm persistent. I'm not going to stop. So uh, I think that that most lawyers, most successful lawyers, kind of even when they're wrong, they don't they don't want to be wrong. Yeah. So so you kind of need that. And 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 I didn't like working at the law firm. I just that's when I knew that the corporate world, in that sense, was not for me. And I was you know maybe twenty twenty one years old when I graduated. It was like right after nine eleven. So jobs were super scarce. And I went to the New York Times. I saw an ad for real estate property management. So I managed a portfolio of 100 buildings in Manhattan, mostly downtown. And that was kind of like corporate-ish. So it was like you went into the office every day, but you were mostly in the field, kind of checking the building, dealing with the supers, lease renewals, and things like that. And then I became a real estate broker for a little bit. So with that relationship, and I think why relationships are so important, whether you're corporate or not, I use that relationship. and they gave me all of the apartments and all these 100 buildings to rent out so you know summers were like you know everybody's traveling going on vacation and i'm like working 15 16 hours a day seven days a week you know signing leases all over the place and that was fun until the recession hit yeah um and then you know people the real estate i think here got got hit a little a little bit on the residential side and um I used my, my real estate knowledge and connections and decided to get into something more creative, which is why I got into the graphics and signage business. So again, since the industry was pretty new, kind of fast forward a little bit, I was, I don't want to say a hot ticket, but a lot of people wanted to speak to me because I had so many jobs going on and I would use that relationship and, and my knowledge and saying, well, you know, the building around the corner, they're doing a similar thing. Maybe we should change it up a little bit. Or, oh, no, you're talking about that job. Yeah, they should have done bigger. I didn't like the text on it. The color scheme didn't work. And they were just like, this guy's like a designer, but not a designer. So he gives us that feedback that we really need. And from that, I just, you know, kept growing into other industries like fashion, event production, hospitality, retail. And, you know, working for, for people, as, as most people know, can be, can be difficult. But, you, you know, if, if you have that, passion and wherewithal to say, I think I could do it better, but I, I don't know everything. You just find people organically that kind of can work with you and help you in your weak spots or even make your strong spots even stronger. So I always found that to be something super valuable, you know, getting people to see the vision, execute the vision and make them feel like, you know, they're a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, cause especially for people who are like really corporate, like like you had said mm-hmm. before, like kind of like playing by the rules, like going by the book, that creative, what would you call it? Like the, I guess it's the left or right side of the brain, whichever's the creative one, mm-hmm. they might not just be tapping into that fully. So for you to kind of show them, you know, this is the idea that you have, and this is what other people in the industry do. But if you want to take it a step further, these are some things that I have in mind. Like you're mm-hmm. not only giving them what they want, but you're providing 
a pathway for them to be innovative. And like, that was something that I always thought was awesome. Like in my last role was like that you guys created such unique visuals, right? Like just really unique pieces <laughs> that I hadn't seen anywhere. Right. Which is like, right. The whole point of doing it is like, you want to stand out, right? It's marketing. Like you want yeah. to be the person that they're like, they remember when they see your billboard or your ad or your vinyl, like right. it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of always like to go the, the extra mile and this kind of ties into, I guess, why having the control is for me important is I always try to add value, right? Because we're, you know, not the only guy in town, so to speak, or girl in town. So it's like, okay, what makes you different aside from, you know, me being me and everybody being different, you know, essentially everybody has similar equipment. Everybody has some sort of knowledge and how to do it. So, you know, some people are, they do a really good job as well. So I think what makes the difference and what I've been able to carve out is creating a, a different added value, right? So it's having the experience, but saying, you know, you're working with somebody that's actually going to make you feel good. That's actually going to really be invested in your success and be an advocate for you. So, you know, if, if I call them, you know, the supplier and say, hey, you know, I'm checking on this material and I know we have a deadline, the supplier goes, well, you know, we're, we're three days backed up and that just kind of killed the deadline. You want somebody that's going to go to bat for you and figure it out, right? Without having to get on the phone with you and oh, scare totally. you and drive you crazy of, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying. And that's, that's something that I, I, I think is, is paramount in, in, in this business and in a lot of other businesses is figuring it out without having to, you know, tell the client like, hey, we have a problem. Like before I pick up the phone and say, I have a problem, it's all solutions thought of, worked on, and then I give a possible solution. So it's not just saying we have a problem. It's what are we, here's what I think we should do about it, or here's what I'd like to do about it. And then you create that dialogue and people, you know, more times than not, I mean, aside from being unhappy with something being up, they like that, okay, at least. I can go to my boss or at least I can go to the investors or at least I can go to somebody and say, this is what we're going to do now, rather than you guys figure it out. I just gave you the problem, right? Because essentially somebody pays you, they're paying you to figure it out too, not just to produce the job. Oh, definitely. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I think is, is, is underrated, right? You go to certain companies and they don't even have a phone number. Right. You can't even call them. Oh, yeah. It's so frustrating. Right. With me, it's like I think almost everybody has my cell number. Everybody has my email address. Right. I respond pretty promptly. So it's not always the problem. It's what what are you going to do to fix it? And how can you use that negative to now turn it into a positive? Right. Sometimes I, I, I call the client and afterwards and I'm like, hey, let's go to lunch. You know, let's let's let's, you know, hang out for breakfast or whatever. And then I say, you know man, you don't even know what happened. And then I tell them the story and they're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you did all that. Like, thank you so much. And now I don't have to fish for 10 more clients. I only have to fish for one or two because everybody stays with me, right? Everybody, most of the people have been with me for a number of years. I've had clients that I still have a fantastic relationship with from me being in this industry, you know, 16 years, 17 years. And, you know, they still rely on me and we still come through. So. I think that's a testament to just, you know, having a never say die attitude. Yeah. 
but also customer service and communication can 100% make or break a company. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's not the phone number thing, like, okay, I can't get in contact with you over phone, but still like, I, they're like, for example, even your company or other people that I've worked with, I am either 100% going to be with you or not, depending on how, you know, if you're communicative about a project, if I, a problem runs up, if you're transparent, if you right. provide top note, like there are so many different things, but if you have, even if you don't perform the best, but your customer service is excellent, like there's mm-hmm. almost 100% chance that I would still keep you in my back pocket, if not refer you right. out. Right. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, you may have to take, you know, financially and this kind of is maybe where the, the other side of business, right. You have like the customer front and then you have the back end, the financial end. And sometimes you have to take a hit to make somebody happy and, you know, keep that relationship if, if, if it's a valuable one. And I think, especially now, a lot of companies are more cost conscious than they are customer retainer conscious, right? Because that one customer that you lose or you feel like, well, I'm not gonna do that because it's just, it's gonna cost me too much money. How much will that cost you when the person doesn't give you any more work and then tell other people their experience and then that travels too. So, you know, we don't spend any money on marketing. I would say 100% is my relationship with clients and word of mouth referral and, you know, little bit of networking but it's it's almost not you know placing ads or running some type of online you know marketing campaign it's really just people that use us and trust us find other people to use us and they trust us just as much as the person that referred them and 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 i am kind of like i don't want to say ocd about it but like i am very conscious of tracking referrals and new clients and how i got them and I'm on like eighth, ninth generation referrals. Like wow. it refers to me from somebody, from somebody, from somebody, from somebody, from somebody that I met at a networking meeting when I did real estate in like 2005. So it was a completely different industry, but they just saw a quality person, somebody that's like, okay, he's got something about him that makes me feel comfortable doing business with him. And that's an important, important part of, of the puzzle too. It's interesting that you say that because when I left my last role, right, I was leaving my job, like, mm-hmm. you know, how to say goodbye to a lot of people, like sever some ties, not negatively, just like, right, changing right. chapters. There are so many people who are like, oh, never burn bridges, because you never know where if that person is going to be of value to you, or you're going to be a value to them in the future. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you even navigate that aspect, right? Because I feel like in business, you there are so many people who come your way, how do you mm-hmm. make everyone happy and still like not feel like you're burnt out or like basically pushing yourself, like overextending yourself? Right. So I've developed over over the years a uh, kind of a sense of spirituality, right? And that keeps me grounded. It keeps me humble. It keeps me in tune to my instincts so that I can do what I feel is right. So everybody's not, some people just want to be unhappy and you have to accept that, right? Yeah. You hope that that's the smallest part of the puzzle so that you deal with that less than you deal with the positive part of it, but it's still a part of the puzzle. It's still a part of the pie. And I think the spirituality allows me to reflect, feel what I feel, think things through. Sometimes there's no clear answer and you kind of, you know, I, I, I try to 
start to pray on it sometimes and and go with what feels like the right thing logically and spiritually emotionally you know people are going to be negative and you know they may say hurtful things to you right but hurt people hurt people and healed people can heal people which means if you're in a good place you can help somebody if you're in a hurt place you may hurt somebody yeah so i try to be positive and use that energy even if something negative is, is coming my way right even if it's just stress forget about something negative it's just a lot going on and a lot to manage and a lot of moving pieces you know you want to have those good instincts you want to have great people around you because then it's not really about like how much money i'm making it's about how can i do better how can i create a good feeling for my staff for my clients when i'm not working for my family because the brain doesn't it's hard for the brain to shut off right even yeah. when you leave work the brain's still working like if you're working that's that's the brain is a muscle it doesn't just stop because you stop so you're always thinking right you're always thinking of different equipment technology improving the business plan improving customer experience so it's like how do i do it and how do i do it with a place of love kindness consideration so that people feel that they get inspired they tell people about me and then now i have more good people like that around me you know what i mean yeah i mean i think the spirituality factor, whether you're really religious or not, is a huge, it's a game changer of whether you'll be happy or be successful or not. Like, and even mm -hmm. I've been interviewing so many people and everyone keeps saying, like, your mindset is the one of the most important things, right? Head and heart, like dif differentiating between what your head is saying and what your heart is saying. Like, there are all these things. And I think it's sometimes more important than getting a freaking MBA to run a business, but oh <laughs> like, God. you know, but I like, so for you, for spiritual, like from a spiritual perspective, maybe like what could a listener do if they're in a really tight space or like they're having difficulty, whether it's at work mm -hmm. or balancing work and family life or anything like that, spirituality would help them kind of balance mm -hmm. out a little bit or find the, as you would say, like the right answer or what your heart or God is telling you. Right. So I think it's, you know, finding out, I think the first step is finding out what God is to you, right? This is for me. So, you know, it may help somebody, it may not. Um, but for me, it's like, what does God mean to me? And then if I know what God means, then I know what I should be doing and how I should be behaving and how I should be working to help people. You know, it's incredibly serving of others to, to be in business, right? Your, your yeah. job is to solve a problem or provide a solution to whatever business you're in, whatever marketplace you're in. So if, if you're in real estate, you're solving a space problem, whether it be residential or commercial. If you're in my side of the business, you're solving a, a visual marketing problem, right? They need to get a message across and they need your help to do that. If you're a doctor, you're, say, you're solving health problems and life problems. So once you understand that and you realize that you're you're serving others, it puts you in a good spot, right? Because some people approach it like I'm here to make money, and you know, no, 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 no. Like the you know the exception, and I hope they are, but I don't know like stats wise if they are or not. But like when it becomes about the money, it becomes less about the like the purpose. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't go into this to make a ton of money. I got into this because it seemed like something I wanted to do. 
And if it seems like something I want to do, then I'm probably going to be better at it than doing something that I don't want to do. So if I just ask God to give me the tools that I need to serve others and ask him to show me if I don't know what to do, more times than not, I'm going to be in a better spot than stubbornly or angrily trying to figure it out on my own. And I also do a lot of reflection, like when I do some, when something doesn't come out the way it's supposed to be, what could I have done better? And I have to be honest with myself. And I think with spirituality, the, the, the forefront is honesty. And if you understand that, like, you have to try to be honest with people and try to be honest with yourself on where your shortcomings are, where you can do better, what you're good at, what you're not good at, you'll be in a better spot than thinking you're the best at everything. Because then you're just like, you may be living in a, like a false reality where you have this perception of yourself and other people have a different perception. Not that it matters, but the message should match the final product. And if it doesn't, customers get confused. They usually go with somebody else. Maybe they are unsure about something. And if they're unsure, maybe things don't work out the best because this, the right energy isn't in the project. Yeah. You know, they're just like skeptical because they don't feel you're as good as you say you are. And maybe they don't know how to deal with that. So you have to, you have to be careful of that too. And that's just, that's just, I, I, I think how, how I do it and, and keeping good people around you that have that good energy, right. From different walks of life from different avenues and backgrounds, because perspective comes from so many different ways. And, and it's good to have different ideas of what people see and feel to, to really be truly of service. Because if you're just of service of what you think is right, and it's not, like I said, I, I think you'll be in a more uphill battle than not. Yeah. I do really like that you framed spirituality as kind of like what you think God is to you, not with like the Bible or like, right. you know, anything. Cause right. You could think someone could think one thing, but you may have a slightly different like you said, kind of perspective or background, which is why you maybe think a different set of morals, ethics, or what is right or uh -huh. wrong, which obviously like it makes a ton of sense if you follow something that you actually believe in versus just practicing something that feels like super wrong or inauthentic. You, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And that's not cool. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. You know, and you're going to go down mm -hmm. a path that someone else carved for you versus one that you make for yourself. Right. And, and look, most entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they don't want to follow a path. Yeah. Rebels. So, so let's go into that. Like if you're going to really be that guy or girl that's like going to be a quote unquote disruptor, then you shouldn't subscribe to something just because somebody says so. You should subscribe to it because you believe in it. You should subscribe to it because you have a connection with it. You know, yeah. otherwise it's just like you're just going to hit a wall because you, you you're being forced to see do want to do yeah and you know i think it's good. also really like great to dabble too like whether it's from spirituality or not like whether it's you know maybe oh a God, career yeah. or a business like i so i grew up as a catholic i did like my confirmation like all the things and then right. when i finally left my parents house someone had introduced like buddhism to me and I was uh -huh. like, oh, this seems interesting. Like, let me try it out. So I got like the altar. I went to like services. Like I was like pretty invested in it for about a year and super great. Right. Cause it gave me a whole different realm of possibilities, perspectives. I met a ton of different people who had a different approach to life and just like, you know, uh -huh. how to find heart center, if you will, or God. And 
you know, I'm not super religious. I would call myself more spiritual than actually religious, but it was like remarkably changed, like life-changing because I was able to see from a completely different perspective. But then after a year, I was like, you know what, actually, like, I don't want to be tied down to this. And so I released that part of my life, but it took the nut, like the gold nuggets from it with me going (laughs) forward. And that's important, right? I mean, like, like anything, take what you like. And if you don't like it, you don't have to take it. You know, we get too caught, we get too caught up and like, it has to be this or that. Yeah. Well, it could be a little of this, a little of that, maybe a little bit of a third thing, a fourth thing that you didn't even think about. And then that's what it is, you know, to that person in that unique experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, like most entrepreneurs, like they, they just like if you tell there's some entrepreneurs that I know that if you know, if they were making a hundred thousand dollars doing their business and they were to get a million dollars working for somebody else, they will get sick making 10 times what they make working for somebody else they just yeah it, it's just you can't they can't do it like yeah. me I it's really hard for me to like to to have a boss not that I had terrible relationships and I think kind of piggybacking on something you said earlier like I've always kept really good relationships with you know with my old bosses and sometimes they're they're mentors to me today because even when I split it's like look I gotta, I gotta work how I work, man. Not that yeah. you're doing anything wrong. No, it's not personal. I mean, sometimes right? you get a boss and you have to laugh at the stupid jokes and, you know, go go to these events that don't make sense and have these meetings and you're just like, what a waste of time. Yeah. That's <laughs> all part of it too. But it's just the fact that like somebody doesn't have the control. Yeah. That to, to, to some people, it's like, like they just can't live. Like it, some artists will like, they'll, they'll get sick knowing that they have to pay somebody like an investor or some kind of financial backer for their work. Yeah. They're just like, like I, I, I have to do this myself. You know, they just have a tough time expressing themselves and that's why they're artists. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's how they express themselves. And, and it's, and it's always interesting to me when, uh, when you meet a, an artist that can do both, cause it's so, so rare, you know, an artist that can get the business side of it, maybe have, you know, financial partners and also be a great artist it's it's really a skill that that takes a lot of a lot of honing yeah um and i think and i think the same for for entrepreneurs yeah well i mean as an artist right you probably or i should say that artist has put in so much time effort money into like perfecting their craft that by the time they even get to a place where their craft is acknowledged maybe profitable like people recognize it like they're like oh shit like i gotta learn 15 years worth of business knowledge like how the hell do i do that it's almost worth it for them to just i'm gonna stay and work on my craft and make it even better and like have like fun with this and then pay someone to do the business stuff because i just want to be involved with what makes me happy like because to your point too it's funny how you mentioned oh yeah they're gonna get sick like physically ill by not doing something that makes them happy like I did not realize how, like, like I could tell if I was happy or not, like truly, right? Telling yourself, oh yeah, I'm happy. Like, this is good. Like I'm working on my goals. But if I was sick or I had an injury that was like out of the blue, like I knew something was deeply, deeply wrong and I needed to completely right. switch it or like problem, right. huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that tension can, can resonate in other parts of your life. And that's why another reason why I think that spirituality is, is important because you can get that healthy outlet to like kind of find a good way to de-stress and, and have that conversation with God. Like, okay, I'm going through this. 
help me, you know, figure it out. And then from there, you might, you know, develop better eating habits, maybe exercise, like a number of things to all get the body to work together to do what you want to do, do what you do best, which is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an entrepreneur, create a business, manage a business, grow a business, and, and just stay focused on that vision rather than focused on going to doctor's appointments and, you know, uh, asking more people for help because you're just not feeling great. And, you know, the more you do that, the less you're, you're focusing on what it is you want to do because you're just trying to like fix yourself, not knowing that yourself is the problem. Yeah. Right. You think it's all these other things causing it, but it's how you manage it. That's causing it. Not those other things. Those other things are just part of life. Yeah. Like any business you go into, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be problems. There's going to be growing pain. It's just, how are you going to handle it? Who are you going to rely on? And then, you know, what are you going to do when you're done with it? Are you going to help others and, you know, help people that may be going through something similar so they don't have to go through what you went through? And I think that that's also important too, is, is, is reaching back and, and, you know, being of service to people outside of, outside of business, you know, like the personal world. Yeah. Being a kind person, it has led me to so many open doors and opportunities Mm -hmm. down the line that I never thought, never thought would be there. Right. Like, I feel like I did networking when I was younger, like all the time, like, like I'd go to a job and if I'd meet someone immediately, I'd connect with them on LinkedIn or we would like grab a coffee or like something like that. And now here yeah. I am 10 years later, you know, five years later. And I'm like, oh my God, those, those relationships are actually what's helping me with my business right now. And I would have never, sure. I would have never thought that it would actually come full circle. Like, honestly. Sure. Sure. For sure. So I want to pivot a bit. So mm-hmm. for your business, have you found that being a person of color made business more challenging or like, did you find that Uh there were more walls or like anyone was like dissuading you from actually starting it? You know, that's a, that's a great question because I think more times than not people in the black and brown community don't have the proper tools to have that understanding of you don't have to work for somebody. Like you can be an entrepreneur. I don't think that there's enough of them in the community, maybe because, you know, there's not enough programs in the community to incubate the really good ideas. I think that culturally there's a little dissuasion of people to go and do things on your own. And there's more of a persuasion to find a, you know, a union job if it's blue collar or go to college, or they just have role models that are like singers entertainers athletes and they think that that's like that's like the only way to kind of make it and they don't look at like business people they don't look mm-hmm. at those they don't look at entrepreneurs and i think that from that you know we really should be investing more in simple things like financial intelligence you know health options paying taxes conflict resolution like basic things that i think that serve a purpose you know, in, in the black among communities, they're, they're, they're really not as prevalent as, as I think we, we should have. So that being said, being a founder, I, I had to kind of learn a lot of those things on my own and really have that passion to like, okay, I don't know it, but I should know it. You know, didn't really know too much about like investments, you know, growing up and just something that's not really talked about, right? It's just mm-hmm. not, not like a conversation like, oh, it's just, save your money. That's all 
Yeah, that's all you're told, and like, that does nothing. Like, <laughs> I mean, it helps, but like, but it's not. Like, yeah, it's we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do we do with it? Save it for what? Like, what am I saving for? You know, I, I remember I went to speak to to a school of kids in the Bronx, and you know, I'm telling them about setting goals and putting plans together and writing things down. And and one person asked like the simplest question: They're just like, how do I make a plan? Like, what like what goes into it? And, you know, I went home that night and told my wife, I was like, this question, like, I just, I, I, I felt like it was such a powerful question because it shows that just the simple things, like, forget about the executing, raising money and, you know, finding office space and staff and insurance and all that. We're talking about step one. How do I make a plan? Yeah. And we just don't know. And I think that for me, you know, our parents, regardless of culture, want us to be safe and happy and for them and for that generation coming from their parents that likely were affected somewhat by the great depression or poverty they they look at stability and happiness as like having a good job and a retirement account like that sort of thing now my parents probably still don't understand what i do like i promise you they're like <laughs> there's something with time like that's, that's what they're you know what i mean and 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 and, and that's fine but I think that we should, in our community, respect our parents, but not always listen to our parents, right? I don't go to a doctor to ask legal advice. Yeah. I don't go to a construction guy to, you know, necessarily ask them real estate advice on like, okay, well, what should I be doing here and there with the space? Like, you know, architecture questions. They might have an answer, they might not, but chances are they may not be the best person. And I think sometimes we, we ask people that aren't the best fit to give us the answers but they're the only people around yeah um, so i think little by slowly we'll have to get resources you know over to to people to change for the better because the status quo of what is going on and how things are done i mean it makes some people feel good but we need real change and i think sometimes to get real change we have to accept that you know it takes a little bit of rebellion to get real real change yeah right? i remember you could stand up to your parents and if you tell them how you really, really feel and how they're really, really wrong and they see it, that's the only way that they'll, they'll change something that maybe is wrong or something that's maybe an, an archaic way of, of, of upbringing. So we need that same approach in, in our community because sometimes I, I think we take the short end of the stick because we feel like it's better than nothing. And, you know, we use that little bit and then we cut corners and we're trying to shave here and there. And it's not really how we want the final product to come out, but we're doing the best we can with what we have. And I think we, we should be pushing for more. Uh, we should be working for more. And we should be taking stronger stances to get people in, in, in business that reflect the world that we live in. Yeah. Rather than, you know, let's just say the same type of person making the shots who don't, doesn't contribute to the culture or can contribute to any culture that their business might be in. The business plan might be great on paper, but as the business changes, you need people that represent a different perspective in a different culture to yeah. now give you advice and tell you what the right way to do it is because they're invested in it. They live it. They breathe it. They eat it. This is who they are. And, you know, those people should be involved in, in making decisions that, that affect what we think by, you know, our, our everyday life. Yeah. But I like, 
so I'm white, obviously. And like, for mm. me, I even, I only until this past year when like all the Black Lives Matters protests came up, like mm-hmm. obviously people were talking about it. So it gave me a platform to then talk to other people that maybe were more educated on, on you know, whether it was uh-huh. um, a person of color in business or just like what was going on in the world for me to even have a conversation of like, how do I even talk? Like, how do I even address this? How do like, cause for the longest time, I didn't even like me just saying a person of color was a big, stretch for me like I never even acknowledged that there was color involved ethnicity involved because right I'm thinking like I'm gonna fuck up I'm gonna say something that's so rude where I'm just (laughs) but but realistically no but really like but realistically I'm just curious I want to learn like right and and you know what actually one of the best things for me was moving out of like Long Island which wonderful Uh neighborhood that I lived in but it was predominantly white and so uh-huh. once I moved to Manhattan, I like got obviously a huge mix of cultures. I learned so much about people that were around mm-hmm. me. I ate all the, I mean, I had my first sushi roll in Manhattan. I like never had Indian food before. Like, again, that's just food. But like, it was the same thing of like, right. I remember one time going to a party and they were playing like, um, I, it was like some sort of like South African music and it was the shit. It was so good. And I was like, oh my yeah, God, I've never, fun. I would never ever we're, hear we're this in my own town. We are a jovial, happy group. You guys um, know how to dance, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I need to get my shit together. Like yeah. I'm an embarrassment. But you know what? That's an honest, it's, it's an honest perspective as, as, as opposed to being a dismissive perspective, which is, yeah you know, what I think some people take, which is, I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. And I don't see any reason why I have to understand it. And so it becomes like, it can be taken as rather like that we don't matter or, yeah. that, you know, demographic that they're saying that about doesn't matter or, or it has less value than say theirs. Um, I, you know, I, I did grow up in a, in a pretty, pretty mixed, area pretty diverse people around me but when I went to college I that's when I really said man there's so many people in this school you know I went to Albany with like you know 15 16,000 people and I and I wound up being friends and, and close with so many different Asians Indians Blacks Latins Whites Jewish Italians that it didn't matter to me it was like how can I find good people and then how can I give them a positive perspective on who who I am, right? Which is part of it's my culture, religion, spirituality, whatever. I remember my my first day of orientation, I met a girl, and she had never met a a black or brown person. Her family never went on vacation. They, you know, they just lived in in a hundred percent white area, and she felt really deprived. And I said, "Why do you feel deprived?" She said, "Because I feel like I'm missing out on." on all the fun. And I, uh-huh. I, I always had this, this perce- she said that she had this perception that because people were different, that they somehow weren't as good as, you know, what she was accustomed to and what she grew up with. Mm-hmm. And when she saw that we can be funny, laugh, make jokes, we can cry, we're just like everybody else, you know, with small changes, right? Human behavior is human behavior. She felt that she had missed out and that she wanted to have that that different experience, right? That awakening of like, oh my God, there's so much out here in the world and I'm stuck in a bubble. I don't think at any fault of her own, but it, it also takes, uh, I think, a, a lot of courage when you're in that realm 
to kind of break away because it, it, it is a breakaway, right? Yeah. If people are 60, 70 years old. Typically, the only way they'll change what they see is if it's something that affects them. Like yeah. it, it can't be something on TV, it can't be something on the news. It has to be something that affects them. And what affects them is when they see their grandkid playing on a park, when they see, you know, their 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 children marry people, you know, of, of different races or cultures. Now it becomes something tangible to them and they see it and they see, you know, hopefully something positive in that. And then there's now there's that connection. And now there's that, oh my God, I lived my whole life believing something that is a lie. Yeah. And and you know, if people could figure that out sooner than later, chances are, in my opinion, they'll have a much more fulfilled life, they'll have a better experience in business, because most businesses don't deal with one type of person. And you know, if if you're an entrepreneur and you have that good range, I think you can you can get better people. You can hire better people, people with different views and upbringings that bring something different to the table every day, you know? Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I learned from moving in Manhattan too is how capable people are, whether it's through their ethnicity, race, mm-hmm. like gender, like even like women in business. Like I really didn't know anyone who like owned a business as a woman growing up. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was, a, he has his practice. Like we had a couple of family friends who, again, men who were either they had this company or whatever else. And then coming to the city, I was like, holy crap, not only am I ambushed, not ambushed, that's a negative term, but I mean, like I'm surrounded by people who are so diverse in the way of their culture, but also in the way of their, their, you know, women are just as capable of creating massive, successful, thriving businesses as men are. Right. And, and, and why not? Right. I mean, they're smart, driven, educated, talented. I think that what, and I don't know if this is like across the board, but an, an idea would be that I think that sometimes I think strong women get a bad rap. I come oh yeah, we're bitches, right? Because we well, yeah, are aggressive <laughs> or assertive. Not be labeled as that, they kind of become almost like they accept the status quo. Now, this woman may have the answers to pull this company out from the bottom and make it a powerhouse or do her own thing and make it a powerhouse. But because she doesn't want to be labeled as a fire starter, uh, she doesn't want to be called outspoken, she just kind of falls back. And I am like, totally 100% not on board with that. Like, <laughs> that's not your authentic self, then that's not who you should be, yeah. right? If you do want to speak up and you do want to take a stance and you do believe passionate, passionately about something, why should you listen to some guy who doesn't want to disrupt his culture in the boardroom, right? He wants to protect, like, the people winning are not going to change the rules so that they lose. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to go and take it. Yeah. The, the, the reigning NBA champions are not going to throw away everybody so that they don't win the next year. They're going to do what they have to do to keep everybody intact, right? So mm-hmm. that metaphor kind of translates into, I think, women in business. And, like, why do we not want to have the perspective of a woman? Are they, like, not smart enough to handle this? And, and I heard somebody say when, when Hillary Clinton was running, they're like, oh, she she might be too emotional. Yeah, like, I feel like I got that all like, the time. Like as a as mean? an employee, like like there were times where I'd send emails and I'd get in trouble because apparently my email could be construed as bitchy 
like the tone right and meanwhile it's an email right so like it could be neutral yeah, it, it could be, be taken a hundred ways exactly anyway. <laughs> and i felt like i was getting reprimanded for emails that i would send which in my mm -hmm. sending right what i was saying was neutral but they're mm -hmm. they're thinking it's emotional or bitchy or negative or whatever it is and i would get sassed on that but then the actual issue i was discussing wasn't even addressed because the emotion issue was addressed with hr like what the fuck like it's so frustrating yeah. no i hear you i hear you and that's a, and that's a really tough one to 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 challenge now a woman that is of color is even more of an uphill yeah yeah we're talking yeah. about just white women have a difficult time getting to that level you know without you know so it's 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 incredibly sad i mean the best i i, I had a boss in in at a job in high school and i wish <laughs> i wish this woman was like the boss of every job that i had or i would not want to do my own thing because she was amazing the way she treated everybody you know you have to treat people this doesn't matter you know male or female or, or trans or whatever you have to treat people like a little differently because everybody's different. You know, it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And she was the first person to kind of show me that. Like, I can't talk to you the way I talk to him because he takes things differently. You don't take it as personal. You take it more as a, as like, okay, I have to do this now. That's my goal. And so you have to tailor everything to, to every single different person that you deal with. If you're, if you're, you know, C-level or, or, or management position. And for some reason, some people think that women can't do that. Uh, I mean, like, and, how and do you even, how do you even, crazy. like, how do you even get to a point of being able to do that, right? Because you say, oh, tailor to, like, tailor how you approach people, depending on how they respond to things or, like, mm -hmm. the type of maybe title they have, whatever it is. Like, how does one even get fluent in, maybe you would call it, like, body language or, like, fluent right. in, like, finding the nitty-gritty of how a person works so that you know how to mm -hmm. approach them and I'm, i don't even mean that in business i mean also personally because right. like you know you yeah. go up to a bar and you meet someone or like someone at the supermarket you run into like you know i don't know there are certain times where yeah. you say something oh great example this guy that i knew the other day was telling me how he was like putting all his groceries on the you know the conveyor belt to then get like rung up and you know he was bagging his stuff and leaving there was a woman behind him who had a small little thing of parsley which is like literally less than a dollar like it's nothing and so she only had one thing and he was halfway through ringing up he was like hey like i know you like if you want to get out of here like just give me the parsley i'll ring it up and i'll pay for it like you know, so you can get out of here versus waiting another mm -hmm. 10 minutes. And she got really upset with him because she was like, you know, I can pay for the parsley myself. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't right. need that. And and he meant it more as like, this is like my right. small token of like gratitude, like my small token right. of sure, like, sure. like giving back for the day. And also like, I want to, mm -hmm. you know, it's a dollar, right? What, what's a dollar right. to me if I'm helping. And so for him, he was really upset because he's like, all I wanted to do was make this per yeah. this woman's day. And she got so upset yeah. about it. And that was like, not yeah. the, you know, that was not the the goal. And I think a lot of us have done something like that before where we try to be nice or say something and it comes off completely sure. misconstrued. And you're like, what right. the fuck did I just do? <laughs> that was not I the mean, goal. Usually, you know, I, I, I would, I like to believe, you know, the positive side of things. Usually, the person has had bad experiences in their life. It's not necessarily something you did wrong. Yeah. You know, the person may be in a relationship with somebody that, you know, does things for them just to throw it back at them. And their reaction is going to be, 
you know, conducive to, to their experience. Yeah. And the only way you really know is by being around a lot of different people and seeing certain patterns and certain things and what triggers people. And then more importantly, what you could do not only to not trigger them, but create a positive, you know, relationship with them so that if you're doing something not to trigger somebody and you're not speaking to them, that's not good either. Right? Yeah. You want to have something positive so you can have good dialogue, helpful dialogue, you know, good feedback. And, and to do that, you have to see, you have to see a lot, right? The best basketball players sometimes just take the most shots and you just get better by shooting more. Yeah. And you just, you know, have to look at it like you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have to be okay apologizing. You're going to have to be okay listening to learn. This is one of the most important things I think I've learned in, in business. Listen to learn, not to respond. Like somebody speaking to you, listen to understand what they're saying. Where is it coming from? What do they mean? Do I understand what they're saying? Is it something I can solve? Is it something I have to do better on? Rather than you can't wait for them to finish to rebuke every single thing that they said and then expect them to just say to you, okay, you're right. It's just, what times or not is not how it works. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's either going to work as that's going to create like and just lead to big conflict, right? Which is not good. You don't want to create that, that company culture of like people can't speak to each other because it always ends in a fight. Yeah. But, you, you know, you also don't want to have it where you're not speaking and like, okay, what can we do? I want to hear you. I want to do better. I want to listen. I want to change whatever negative experience you're having. So give me what you have to give me so that I can really, really soak it in and do better or put you in the right direction. Um, and I think some entrepreneurs have, have trouble with that because they just see the vision and it's like anything that's outside of that vision, they just, it doesn't work for them. Like that's not how they're wired. Yeah. Rather than like an, an open policy of like, listen, we're growing, we're a small company or we're looking to do this. I'm going to need everybody to share everything with me. Tell me good, bad, and ugly. Right. I just need that dialogue. However, however you feel that you're going to be interpreted, stop. When you're in that predicament where you're trying to be good, usually you retain better people. They have a better experience and most people want to do a good job anyway. Now they want to do a better job because they feel that they have a boss that cares. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge challenge that I dealt with in corporate is like, you know, you have HR, you have these departments that are specifically supposed to be, you know, supportive of you and your journey mm -hmm. and whatever else. But at the same time, right at the end of the day, they're there to protect the Make company. Sure they don't get sued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, I want to cut to it you. like that, but that's yeah. just what it is. And so, you know, I, I, there's such a huge disconnect, I think too, because people are like, okay, well, you want me to be honest and tell you what's going on, but then you go forward all these emails to someone else and then everyone gets word about it. And all of a sudden now I'm cast as the bitch because I said something like, because I was asking for help or like whatever it is, or this is the type of day I'm having, or like, again, whatever it is. And like, it made it just like more and more difficult to be in a bigger company. Like I went from small to a little bit bigger to a little bit bigger to like freaking massive. And it made me like, I mean, I loved it for certain reasons, but that was a hard, a difficult problem of like the authenticity, those friendly relations, the like, let me be real with you started to really, really fade away because 
God forbid you said something like you can kind of like you would be in a really tough place. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, one thing I like to do when I end these, you know, episodes is I like to ask my guests, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? So do you have any advice that you'd want to oh, share? Man. Um, oof, That's a tough one. You know, <laughs> most young people aren't going to take the advice anyway. And I know I probably wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just, I found that I've, I've been really lucky to have positive male, male role models in my life and, and really strong women. And because of that, I've, I've probably been less shy or timid to make mistakes because I'm always like, well, coming from the right place, all I'm going to do is learn. I probably be a little anxious for a little bit because I don't want to make mistakes, but if I do, I do. But I think that I would want to tell my younger self not to be afraid of being different and that everything you went through, everything you're going to go through, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, it's all going to be okay. Because when we're young, we think everything that happens is the end of the world. Yeah. We think that there's something wrong with us. We, we, you know, we're figuring out who we are, how to feel, how to learn, how to be what it is we want to be. And sometimes when things don't work out, we think that it's like we messed up, right? And we get really down on ourselves. I know I used to. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Like, I forget it. I mean, I was like, <laughs> my biggest, and still am my biggest critic, but now I can just channel it and say, well, did I learn something? Okay, then it's not that bad. And I think that as a younger self, learning that later, probably cost, I don't want to say cost me relationships, but it cost me a unnecessary stress that I put on myself wanting that instant gratification that instant result and it takes somebody really special to grind and go through the ups and the downs right smooth water is never made for a skilled sailor yeah if you're gonna go with you're gonna go through and it's gonna be fine not always gonna work out the way you want it to but you're gonna be where you're gonna be because that's the time and the place that you'll be there you know if you focus on the good more than the bad, putting the best effort every day, whether you're sick, whether you're happy, sad, and just keep going, looking for those opportunities, finding people to help you, and asking for advice. You'll get there, you know, as long as you're realistic and honest with yourself, I think. And I think knowing that young, because I, I consider myself kind of a late bloomer. I didn't really get super, super serious with like this entrepreneur thinking until I was like maybe 30, 31, because I always thought, of fitting into that, like, I don't want to fit in, but I feel like I have to. And I had this like back and forth inner battle of like, which way do I go until I finally said the hell with it. I have to be who I am and I have to use what I went through and just keep going. And when yeah. I did that, I remember that year was like probably 2011 and I made a lot of changes that year. That's when everything kind of started happening. That's when I really, really got serious with my business that's when I really landed some 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 great accounts and I had really good relationships personal and business wise because I'm happy here and people want to be around happy people yeah. um so I think if, if we just keep our eye on the prize and being better 
rather than some arbitrary end result. Like my goal is, all right, so you get to the goal, then what? You just retire, you hang it up, you put the, the you know, that's all? I'm like, no, okay, what's the next thing? And so if happiness is always in perpetuity, then so should be the journey. Just have fun, whatever you're doing. Don't worry about the bad. It's always going to be good. I, I think I probably would have taken that advice because it, I wasn't being preached to. Like I hated being preached to. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, no one wants to be talked yeah, at. I was so against that, you know, and uh, and then my heart had itself. I think that would have been like the best advice that I could have to given myself at a younger age. Yeah, I probably would have benefited from that a lot, too, just because. I felt like I was trying to be like everyone else, which obviously isn't true to who you are. So it's obviously not going to be pleasant, nor is it going to be easy. And I realized the more that I embrace my quirks and my, like, my obnoxious laugh or like how much energy I have, like all the things that you're conditioned to think isn't a good thing, the more I embrace it, the better life is and the more fun I have. And like, that to me is so worth it. So much more worth it yeah 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 life should be enjoyable so you, you got what you got so you might as well work with it exactly and do the best you can with what you have and what you can change change and what you can't either accept it and do what you can or drop it and move on just like a bad ex-boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> totally it's just gonna be bad you just gotta leave that's it yeah go. <laughs> yeah well, this has been so great. I'm I'm so glad we covered such oh, a multitude of topics. Awesome. I hope it helps people more importantly than anything. Yeah, I think we had a lot of conversations that will benefit people, especially talking about spirituality and just, you know, having starting that conversation about, you know, people of color and business and, and all of mm-hmm. those things. So, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping whoever listens does benefit from those. I think they will. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks for yeah. having me on. I, of uh, course. I appreciate it. And uh, again, so much uh, congratulations are due to you for branching out and kind of leaving that behind. I remember us speaking the day I got the email from you. <laughs> I was like, yes, I don't hear that every day. So I was like, whatever you need, advice, anything, let me know. I I really want to see uh see great things from you and I sure I'm 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 really, really sure I'm well. I I, I will. Oh, thank you. I feel really good about it. So, you know, just gotta lean into what feels good and keep rolling with it. Absolutely. Keep plugging away. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Fernando. All right. Thank you.